You are listening to the Living Truth Podcast with John Corr and C.L. Mitchell. Please stay tuned to Living Truth as we engage in an in-depth journey of discovery through the discussion of God's Word for the purpose of devotion and godly living. We pray that you would be blessed through today's conversation and that God would sanctify your heart in truth, for His Word is truth. Good evening, this is John Corr and the Reverend C.L. Mitchell coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Living Truth Podcast. Uh, in case you are joining us for the first time, we are two good friends that love to get together to talk about the scriptures and God and Jesus and life. And we imagine that you are sitting uh, near us over listening to our conversation. We have our desk, our Bibles, our coffees, and we just love to talk about the Lord. And uh, today we're going to do a special broadcast uh, podcast about Christmas and the birth of Jesus. And before we get started, I want to say hello and welcome to my friend CL, Reverend. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to have you and always good to, to talk and hang out. And uh, Christmas is next week. And Lord willing, uh, it will be a stress-free or stressless or stress less than normal free or almost free time. And um, we uh, anticipate that you will have a wonderful Christmas out there as well. But anyway, today we're going to talk about Jesus. We're talking about the birth of Jesus, his significance. And I want to read a portion of scripture just to get started. And then we'll have our discussion. So in the Gospel of Luke, it talks about the birth of Jesus and it says this in chapter 2. Now in those, days, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. Now this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register to, for the census. Uh, each to his own uh, city. Joseph also went to, from Galilee, uh, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of this house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and who was with child. When they were, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them at the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, 
just had been told them. Wow, this is the account of the birth of Jesus on the day he's born. The announcement of a king, the announcement of a savior, the appearance of angels, the glorifying God, the good news, uh, everything, the manger, you know, things we're familiar with. Uh, every year we celebrate in Christmas. Uh, I, I sort of, you know, maybe just to, to sort of give this direction in our discussion, I mean, who is this baby and what's the significance of his birth? Because, I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, Jesus, this is the birth of Jesus. And, you know, this, this baby's born every year and every day, there's babies. But this this baby that's born in some little village in Israel gets a, an angel announcement and, and celebration. And there's something significant here about this child. So let's talk about that, you know. And what do you think? That the announcements for the birth of children in Scripture is rare is not an overstatement. Right. Um, one can count the few instances of special births that are attended to uh, announcements or even angelic announcements, if you will, um, throughout Scripture. And so, first of all, this particular birth stands out because um, it stands in a, uh, a, a limited number right. of such announcements. Right. But amongst those announcements, rare though they may be, this one stands out preeminent in its right. rarity. Uh, and so, the rarity of this particular uh, announcement begs the question, what significance is the uh, biblical text seeking to communicate yeah. in the extraordinary circumstances surrounding this particular child's birth narrative? Just to add, I'm, I'm thinking of a few other birth announcements. You have, okay, Moses, you know, sort of his birth announcement. Uh, Samuel, you know, we hear about his mom praying, Samson as well. Um, John the Baptist, who, who's, who's Jesus' cousin, his birth announcement happens in the first, the first chapter uh, of the Gospel of Luke, one page over, which is interesting because Jesus calls John the Baptist, of everyone, of all people born of a woman, basically normal people, he was the greatest. And which was his cousin. So it seems like there's a, you know, the, these birth announcements have, they, they announce uh, the birth of somebody significant that God's going to use for a particular purpose or role. And, and so the fact that you have both John and then now Jesus, of course, uh, there's, there's great significance to, um, to his birth announcement. But the things that the angels say about, about who he is, you know, they, they appear to these shepherds and the, you know, and uh, Mary's already been, you know, she already knows that Jesus is coming, you know, because Jesus, uh, Gabriel, visits Mary in chapter one of Luke um, and says that he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And so you ha she already knows, but yet she still ponders certain things because of what they, the shepherds told uh, told her. But the the angels, they, they announced that he is, he's, he's a king or he is a savior 
what's the what does that mean? The significance of a savior, Christ the Lord. You know, is this for everyone? And who is this? Who is this child that's going to now take on this role? You know, is what the significance of Jesus as a savior of the world? What? How do we explain it? How do we? You know, is this is this something that just came out of nowhere, or did God have this planned, or you know, was this? Does it make sense, or am I, yes. am I losing you, brother? Because <laughs> you look like you're deep in thought. <laughs> you're contemplating very deeply. John, if I am um, here in the first century, yeah, most likely, actually, um, somewhere in the the BC period. Yeah, to be honest, and 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 if I am here. And I am hearing this announcement. I am a shepherd. Right. The terminology savior would have significance to the people of God. Right. The nation of Israel. Right. And that is something that is profound in and of itself. Right. But my question for you is this. If you're in the first century, yeah. actually, again, to be more accurate, somewhere at this stage in 4 or 5 BCE, before the common era. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Um, and you're a shepherd hearing yeah. this announcement. Yeah. What are you thinking? Oh, man, that's, that's a great question. I'm thinking, why would an angel or angels come to me? I'm a shepherd. I'm not, you know, I'm not a high class person. I'm a common person. I am, I'm just, I just tend sheep. Why would God make announcement to come and talk to me or to announce? I don't know what I would be thinking. That's a good question. You got me stumped. That Wait, usually I ask you the question. So you're, you're throwing me off here. So. You know, and now I, I sit in your chair now, contemplating. Here, I, I, I would, I would wonder. Um, I would be excited because here's an offer from God of salvation or a child for salvation for me. I, 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 I'm not part of a, a ruling class or I'm not part of a uh, esteemed class. I am, I'm poor. I am hardworking. I am, I am, I'm in the fields with smelly sheep. And here, God announces a savior. I'm excited. I don't know. I, here's an opportunity for me to, uh, for for me to respond to, um, to the voice of God. I guess I don't know. I that's that's good questions. Um, I'm not, I'm not certain what I'm thinking. <laughs> what would you be thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking this. As you said, I'm not in the aristocracy. Yes, I'm not in the upper echelon of society. Yeah. In fact, I'm not in the uh, the middle class, and frankly, I'm not even suited for the lower class. Right. I, I fit somewhere. Um, I'm in the outcast, just outside of that. Yeah. What um, does it tell you, though, that yeah. God would send angels to to announce the the Savior's birth to the lowest and the outcast, the guys on the fringes, the guys out in the fields? What would that tell you about this God? I think that tells me. Um, that the greatest is concerned with the most humble. Hmm. 
By the way, humble in this context being those who are mostly humiliated, downtrodden, overlooked, underappreciated, and recognized within the social framework. If I'm I'm thinking about this, if I'm a shepherd, I'm I'm unclean constantly because I'm around animal stuff, right? Which means I haven't been able probably to draw near to the temple or maybe I have to go through other rituals. But here's God drawing near to me where I live, Right, he's not. He's not. I, I don't have to go to Jerusalem. He's he's coming to where I'm at in Bethlehem. I'm with the other sheep, but the other shepherds who are, you know, they're sitting out watching their flock at night. That this 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 God would send a, a child and would announce and reach out to me, the lowest, the outcast, the unclean. It gives me a hint about this God. So it is as though it is as though you were to take the birth. Of British royalty. Hmm. You like Britain. You want to be British, because I know you. You say words like the way the Brits do, like schedule. I say schedule, schedule. Or my Siri talks British. She she doesn't say parking lot. She says car park. Okay, uh. car park. I love that. So, so British royalty. Here we go. You take... British royalty, someone who is destined to sit upon the throne, not right. just someone born in the generality of the family right. and has the stamp of royalty on them, but someone who is the next sitting sovereign, right. Right, who's just been born. And you take all of the pomp and circumstances that attend the announcement of that birth, but you do not do it over the balcony of the palace. Right. You find the most poverty-stricken neighborhood with the lowest class of workers Hmm. in the street, and you spend your pomp circumstances and your finely arrayed attendance of that royal person. Right. And you come to the lowliest and make your greatest announcement. Herod couldn't yeah. say that he received such uh, an announcement. Yeah. It, nor could the uh, the priesthood, the Sadducees, attending to the temple, couldn't say that angels appeared to them right. and made this announcement. The conservative Pharisees did not. Um, the Essene Qumran community outside who were the purists, right. even beyond the Pharisees, couldn't say that. But... The dregs of society. Yeah. And and I think the fact that heaven would choose that this would be the audience of such uh, extravagance says something about the person whom they announced. But this is is good because I'm also, this this isn't just a one-time thing though. Think about this. It's not like God's putting on an act say, oh, you know, I'll do... I'll do a visitation to these shepherds, right? And make a good showing of it, you know? So, you know, you could have your king of England or queen of England or prince or somebody put on normal people clothes and go out and mingle with the regular people. This is not that. He's born among them. They're not very far away. He's he's laid in a, in a manger. He's born 
He's not born in Jerusalem. He's born in Bethlehem. I, I think the word manger uh, is almost a stumbling block today. Yeah. Um, he's he's born and laid in a feeding trough. Right. So if you feed horses and, and mules and things like that, it's that um, the trough. It's you put food in it. You put you put you know for for animals to eat. That's your crib. And and, and by the way, while these shepherds were some distance away and had to come to the site in this first century agricultural and farming environment this is most likely an active trough right uh, not one that has been out of use and is simply there for observation this is likely a place where the father joseph not the biological father but right. the father joseph right and the mother have to um, cling a bit, um, right. um, situate right. a bit, in order to, to make, make it. They have to make appropriate do. for right. for the king. So there is no there's no birth plan like we have at hospitals today. There's no I see you know NICU unit or uh, you know the doctors you know the ultrasounds the you know, all the technology. This is this this young woman who's given birth to a baby. And you're making do with what you have. You have some strips of cloth. You don't have sanitary conditions. So the fact that this that this Savior that is born in this environment, in this situation, in in uh, with with the almost impoverished conditions, you know. Um, and like I said, my, my whole point was this is not just a one time thing. He's born, and he he his He's, he lives in that uh, social economic environment and in that in that place of, of humbleness and you know um, not with the the fanfare let's say that you would expect you know this is the son of God that's coming to the you would expect the the, the royal you know entourage that comes and he would be born in Jerusalem and and the priests and the Pharisees, they would all be invited to his birth. You know, there was, you, know you would expect that. You have just the opposite. You have the people who are not expecting, who are probably not even feeling deserving, being told this, this good news of the Savior. And Jesus decides to associate immediately from his birth with the outcast of society, the lowest of society, the humble and the poor of society. That tells you something about who this person is, who the Savior is, who this this child is. It does. I, I, I want to tease that out first. Tease it out. Tease it out. That's one hearing. Yeah. A Savior is born. Yes. And I'm not sure that they really understand the soteriological implications of that, the salvific uh, uh, consequences of that right. as yet. But let's give it a different hearing, John. Um, if I am in Jerusalem in 4 or 5 BCE, right. although there are Jews occupying it, it's not overseen by Jews. Right. Uh, it's under Roman rule. Right. Um, a want-to-be king uh, is Herod. is sitting um, um, posted upon uh, a, a throned position. Right. Uh, 
something of a, a harsh and mad man. He's evil. Um, his family has deep problems. Uh, the nation who has us fenced in is not a power. They are the superpower right. of the world, and right. they are quite cruel. Um, we are now in our homeland and and longing to be released from the yoke that is upon our neck. Uh, by the way, uh, we attempted to do that right. through the Judas Maccabean War. Right. Uh, in what is called the 400 silent years, the intertestamental right. period. Right. And uh, although God did some extraordinary, phenomenal feats for us, such as the the uh, um, um, sealing of the temple after it was compromised. Right, right. Um, and uh, although he allowed the oil that was only enough to last for uh, one day to last for eight days, and there was a holiday developed from there, uh, namely Hanukkah. The Festival of Lights. Um, still, we're in bondage. Uh, we're walking around almost uh, in a manner that we walked around during the period of the judges during that 350 years where we had taskmasters and, and, and oppressors who, who did not necessarily give us privilege and freedom. They were, they were harsh and hard. And, and if, in fact, those taskmasters, if the taskmasters of Egypt uh, years earlier in uh, pre-1445 BCE, and if, and if the taskmasters of the Philistines and, right. and other surrounding little nations yeah. uh, were difficult when we entered into the land during the, the uh, Joshua period, the Romans, you don't mess with them. Right. Um, we're, we're heavily taxed. Um, the taxation is ridiculous. And in fact, some of our own ethnic people Work have, for them. Have, have, have given themselves over to tax us extra so that they could make do right. whilst also being a, a, an instrument in the hand of Rome. And so we feel terribly betrayed. Um, we dare not uh, raise a revolt against these individuals because... On the outskirts of town, they will stake us. Um, and, and when they stake us, they advertise it. The whole business is not about death at all as much as it is about suffering and embarrassment, grotesque shame. If I am a, uh, a first century Jewish individual, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, is he going to be the same kind of kings I've seen before? Is he going to be the same kind of tyrant that Herod has been or is known for? I mean, Herod had his family killed or had members of his family killed because he was so paranoid. Is he going to be as harsh as the Romans or as demanding as Romans? Is he going to be just like the rest of them, you know, that came up in the past? What's going to be different, you know? I, I'm a little apprehensive because, you know, I've heard it before, you know? And so, you know, from one standpoint, I'm wondering what what to make of him because is he going to be the same as before? But at the same time, if I'm a shepherd in the field and I get this announcement, I'm realizing there's something a little different here because birth announcements and angels don't come appearing to regular folk like me, you know. They don't appear to very many folk as it is. So there has to be something different, but I'm not certain what to make of it, you know. And I'm, I'm glad for the words of, you know, of, of, of the angels telling me, and I'm excited for it, but it sort of remains to be seen 
what kind of child and savior this this child would be um, as it plays out. I don't know what to expect. And I think even part of life, it's like that, you know, where you, where it's, you've been so burned, you know, you've, you've had such, you know, bad news or bad situations happening. And then here comes this, this God that comes in, who's promising you eternal life through his son. And you don't know what to make of it before, because you know, in the past, everything has not worked out. Now there's this good news and I want to celebrate like these shepherds celebrated, but I'm a little cautious. And I'm like, I want to learn about the Savior more. And so far, what I like I or what I see or hear, I do like um, the good news part, the announcement to somebody like me. There's something different about this one because I normally would not get that invitation in the mail. And so I'm sort of ready but cautious and anticipating how is this Jesus, how is this Savior going to be different than previous kings or previous people that came to help people let's say yeah, if that's what i'm thinking i don't know if if i'm a first century jewish individual um, i can't help but have overtones of the the judaic sovereigns of old like david david yes who who comes on the the back of the first king of Israel, who was a military man. So let me just, just, just for the for the listeners, David is like, he's the poster boy, so to speak, of of kings and of of what you want your child to be like, or what you want a king or a leader to be like. You know, you have this blend of someone who who loves God, right? He he's a man after God's own heart, and at the same time. He's a, a leader, you know, and he understands people and he, he's sort of all this wrapped up in one. He's not in it for himself. He's for, you know, that's what you're, 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 you're thinking of is, is this, you know, of, will he be like David, you know? He's the quintessential Judaic sovereign by whom, by which all other kings in the South are measured. For their success, the South is Judah. You talking about? Yeah, yeah, not the South, Judah, right. in, like in America. No, in in Judah, right? In Judah. And and so, and so, if you were a good king, you're measured by your consistency with the heart of David and his devotion to God, right? But if you're also a good king, you're also weighed by how much freedom did you bring us? Right. How much liberty did you bring us? Right. How much did you expand the, the borders that were promised to our father, Abraham? Right. And, and, and particularly now, we haven't seen a David in a long time. Right. I mean, Solomon expanded the horizons and, and established a period of peace. And, and we saw other kings who, who seemed to do quite well. Uh, maybe Hezekiah or someone of that right. nature. Right, Josiah. But, he was, but, right. Yeah. but we, haven't, we haven't seen this in a while. And by the way... Since first century Jerusalem is like a, a powder keg and, and it would simply take the strike of a match to, to set off an explosion betwixt the Jews and Rome um, so that these individuals who are, are the inhabitants, the natural inhabitants of the land, yeah. can throw off the yoke of these oppressors. You're looking for a, a military savior. Relieve us of the yoke. Right. Relieve us of the pressure. And, and to be sure, while that will be some of the efficacy of his saving grace in the future, 
they will not see that sort of saving no. during the 33 and a half years of of this king. But isn't it interesting that that if if you if you look at their needs or if you're living that time what's the greatest need that that we need is we need somebody to deliver us from Rome uh to to reclaim the territory of that was promised to David and to kick these Romans out that tells you something too about the reaction of Herod in in the gospel of Matthew where the magi come to to Herod they've seen the star you know we have you know major scenes with the kings the, the magi and they come, you know, Jesus could be up to two years old, maybe he's a year, maybe six months. We don't know how old. It's after his birth. But they come and they say, we, you know, we've come here to, to see the king, of, you know, the king of the Jews. And Herod, he claimed to be king of the Jews. But of course, he's, he's paranoid, he's threatened. And the reaction that he has is that he feels so threatened by the coming of another king because he's anticipating, just like they were anticipating, this king that would come that would have a military presence and kick them out, not knowing what kind of king he would be. And that's sort of the question is he remains to be seen. And so what kind of savior is he or what kind of child is this? Well, he's, he's a different kind of child. He's a child that, that is not afraid to, to associate with the lowly, with the, the outcast. He's a child that will that will be like his father David, like his ancestor David, and be a king. But he's going to be a different kind of king because he's going to have a different kind of rule and a different kind of kingdom, so to speak, that remains to be seen in the following pages of Scripture. But initially, he's not what you expect him to be. He's beyond what you would expect him to be. But he's not. Does that make sense? And his agenda is beyond what you anticipate. Right. Because because if you're a shepherd, you're thinking, wow, he came to the lowly. Right. Uh, if you're a, a, a Jew of the first century, you're thinking, this could be our military answer finally. Right. What you're not thinking, if you're any of these, is this is he whose body is to serve as the sacrifice, right? the lamb by which we will be rescued from our greatest occupant, sin, right? and our greatest tyrant, the adversary. You're, you're not thinking soteriological here. You're not thinking that kind of thing. And so while the angels make this announcement, I don't know that the audience really understands what the angels are saying. And so in the profundity of its presentation, there is still this, this shrouded mystery for how he's going to be this sort of savior. Yeah. It, it, the text goes on, as you know, John, unto you is born a savior, Christ. Right. Messiah. The Lord. The Lord. What kind of, what kind of Messiah is this? This is first of all a long-awaited Messiah, mm-hmm. a promised Messiah. If we're thinking about um, the Messiah as being um, one who who had been promised by God to be a savior, to be a ruler, 
Um, I'm thinking way back in Genesis with the fall, Genesis 3, and in the context, in the setting of God addressing Adam and Eve and the serpent, he says some words that are very um, mysterious and profound and prophetic and something that that sort of, when when sin occurs, God does not let that go without having some sort of promise to say about that. I'm thinking about that promise that that there would be some someone that God would send to address and uh, rectify or fix what has happened with this brokenness, with this this sin that of the fall of man that has separated man from God, that has fractured, so to speak, this relationship. And God is so concerned with restoring this relationship between God and man that he would not let this go without saying something about it. He says in the, uh, in the book of Genesis, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you will bruise him on the heel. There's a little bit of a hint that there's something, there's a battle, there's a um, two sides, so to speak. They're going to go at it. Um, God and the devil, let's say. Um, and that starts, I'm just thinking about this this little seed that's sort of planted in the Genesis, little promise that, of course, gets played out in the rest of the Old Testament. And I'm thinking of, I mean, scriptures that I'm, I'm actually teaching in my church in the book of Isaiah um, about a child that will be born. He says, uh, in the book of Isaiah, he says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. These are amazing uh, names and descriptions and character that is given to a child. Now we have the now. There's several you know Old Testament scriptures that we can talk about, and I'm 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 looking at this child as this Messiah that has been long awaited and anticipated. And yeah, the kings that would come, you know, David and maybe. Solomon and, and, and some after David, there were a couple that were good, but no one really living up to the weight of this child, the government resting on this child's shoulders. And and on the throne of David, it says, and over his kingdom, he'll 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 rule and he'll establish his kingdom and uphold it in righteousness and justice. You know, so there's this something something this child that's special. And so now you have this child in, in Matthew and Luke. And this child has been promised and, and, and this Messiah that would come and now be something more than just a military deliverer, more than just another political leader, more than just a social economic person. This is something that he's going to address a need so great that it started in Genesis chapter three with the fall. That his, his being a savior is of such a level that's more than just uh, what we think we need, he, he's a savior more than what we what meets the eye, more than we think we need. He's a savior what we actually need, the saving of of sin and and salvation from, you know, separation from God. So I, I'm just thinking in those terms of this Messiah that's been has been promised, and so he's a savior and he's a king, and 
I don't know. It just that's what I'm contemplating on, I guess. Yeah, when, you look deep in thought. <laughs> when, when the concept of the Mashiach or Messiah is thought of in biblical literature, it's progressive. Right. It has military overtones. You can ha- even have an unbeliever who is referred to as a Mashiach. Right, anointed one. Cyrus, my anointed one. Right. Um, But mostly, as the Jews looked at this language of Mashiach, it certainly suggested an endowment from God, an enablement, if you will, um, um, uh, an enablement from the Holy Spirit most oft to accomplish something of a military exploit. Right. However, there are these Isionic servant songs. Right. That that slip into the picture in the second half of Isaiah. And when they slip into the picture, they give for us this fuller picture that that seems to suggest that Success will come by means of suffering. Right. Of course now, remember that, that, that clearly some most, if you will, see the victor. Right. The champion, the hero, the, the military figure and force of this, this anointed one. But few see this this humble one right this lowly one who is going to wage a different sort of war if you will as you said a greater war if i may a cosmic war right but the cosmic war will have looked lost and the immediate war against the nations will look lost because of the degree to which this figure will suffer. So, so in one sense, and we can anticipate with just this child being born in humility, but being born to suffer in order to defeat a greater foe that, that you and I can't defeat with our own might. So, so, so what you're saying, John, is so particular here and so important because... Just as the birth announcement was 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 sort of upside down. Yeah. You want to say to the angels, wait, wait, wait. Did the wrong label end up on the package? Aren't you supposed right. to announce this elsewhere? Right. Um was was this a missed delivery? Right. But no, it, it it's sort of on its head, as right. it were. It's ups- yeah. But it's not the only thing that's on its head. The location in Bethlehem. Ephrata, right? right? A small location to the shepherds, the dregs of society. Um, he's going to be a savior. Do we really know what that means? I mean, sure, we celebrate with heaven and we go back glorifying God. But, but do we know what that means? And then, who is Christ the Lord? Do we have any clue what his messiahship and what his great profound victory is going to involve? The whole thing sets this in a shroud of mystery. And, and and just to just to add to that, it coming as a child. Because if he's gonna be a savior, if he's gonna defeat a really powerful foe, 
that you and I have not been able to defeat, and and no one in all of history has able to, been to be able to, to defeat, no matter how strong you are. In fact, it seems like the stronger you are, the harder you know, the worse you fall. Here comes this child, who is now become who is who is he's a savior of the world. Yet he's vulnerable as a baby. He is dependent as a baby. He's not I'm gonna say he's helpless, but he's very vulnerable as a baby. He has to be changed. He has to be fed. He has to be carried around, and yet he's gonna be the savior of the world. He's you would think if you're thinking in human terms you would send someone that would be strong pretty immediately and be self-sufficient, not dependent. It's And as if you said, everything is turned upside down. What we think is strong is weakness. What we think is weakness is strength. Why? Because in humility and and loneliness and, and dependency is strength because the strength of God comes through there. And here's the Savior who, right from his birth, you have all this in in um, in a small package, in a small form, that speaks volumes of the kind of Savior he would be, and the kind of the kind of victory that he would achieve, not by the might of of a strong arm that we would, you know, or by um, you know by 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 physical strength, but dependent strength, one who would live dependent upon the Lord about the uh, of, of the Holy Spirit, one who would live in communion with God, one who would live in submission to the will of God, that's the kind of Savior, this, this is the kind of, we're just, you know, looking at this little baby, just considering God's answer to our needs. Yes, I, I'd like you to consider something with me, John. Do you, do you remember the, the narrative with Moses? When Moses has the angel of the Lord, right? Who, who is certainly Yahweh, yeah. um, come to him in a burning bush. Right. Moses, take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Right. And Moses, of course, is reluctant to, to answer the call of Yahweh upon him. And so, um, the people are going to ask me, uh, who is he and what is his name and what proof is it that he's appeared to you? And so he says, um, what is that in your hand? And of course, you know, the staff story, and right? Place your hand in your bosom. And of right. course, you know, that story. And, and, uh, you look at all of this. And so what you anticipate is this, this, this great swelling sign that is akin to a mosaic figure. Right. Because signs in scripture were indications that Yahweh had actually spoken to the prophet and was speaking through the prophet with the force of a thus saith the Lord. Right. And was prepared to equip the prophet or the personality to bring to pass whatever he had promised. Right. right. So with that in mind, reread this narrative. Listen to it, John. It says, verse 11, For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And now following that, and this will be the sign. And you can almost see the, 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 the shepherds, the audience, sitting there with, with bated breath and anticipation saying, Yes, 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 where's the sign? Um, 
you'll find a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, what? I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, 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 I, Say it again. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure Come the, again. <laughs> the bleeding of the sheep disrupted what you intended to say. <laughs> yeah. um, say that once more. The sign right. of God's greatest cosmic victory is, yes, 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 yeah. uh, a, a baby. A baby. It, it's almost like a letdown. I wouldn't say that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not say, I'm just, I mean, you're thinking savior. Yes. You know, the strength, a baby. Now, now what you want to think is, okay, okay, we can work with the baby. We've worked right. with babies before. Right. Do you mean a baby like Samson? Right. Somebody who's going to be small, but grow up and be able to kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a, of a donkey. Right. No, 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 no. No, he's not going to gain some some extraordinary physiological strength along the way. What do you mean? Oh, I know. You mean like a Moses figure who who slipped in, right? Covert operative, right? right. Comes in as a baby, but then but then grows up, and and you'll regret it later on, right? Right. No, the picture of vulnerability. Who is this? This this savior. Messiah who's wrapped in the stuff you and I were wrapped in when we were born, seemingly helpless, dependent, vulnerable. Do you, do you know, the Savior, this child that will be born to die, that will come in this world, in one sense, the same way he, went out, he goes out of this world, in utter dependence, wrapped in cloths, in humility, he exits the world, in one sense, on the cross, wrapped in cloths, um, in utter dependence and humility, having won the victory by having given his life. But is this not God's? <laughs> is this not God's way of peace? Yeah. You raised the question to me earlier: Who is this? And you you answered in privacy. He's a king. Is is this not how God introduces his kings? Um, um, Jesus rides in on a, on a humble colt. Yeah. Um, when when David leaves word for Solomon to take the throne, you take a donkey. You don't take a horse, right? Like like your brother attempted to do. You, right. You take a you take a donkey. You take a humble beast. So so let me just interject here. So here's a savior. He's born in humility. He's born in um in Poverty um, appears to the to the to the worst of society. Let's say, whose ways and God's ways are not in expressing strength overtly, but strength through humility. He bids us to call him, or bids us and calls us to follow him in his way. So he says, if if you want to become great and the greatest of all become the servant of all. If, if you want to, if you want to make a name for yourself, don't make a name for yourself, you know, live with, with, with the attitude of, of serving others. This is, this is the path that he starts from his birth throughout his entire life. I'm, I'm thinking in, in the gospel of John, John chapter 13 is the last week of Jesus's life before he becomes crucified. 
And one of the last things he does is he takes a basin of water and decides to wash his disciples' feet and says, hey, this is the example I'm leaving with you guys. If you want to become great, you serve one another. He's born in humility. He lives in humility. He lives in dependence on the Father. Yet he is the most significant person has ever, ever lived on the face of this earth. He has, he has changed the lives of billions of people, billions with a B, uh, since the time of his, of, his, of his birth up until now. Not because he had a military army behind him. Not because he you know, was rich and famous and, and did great exploits, but because he was a humble um, Messiah, a humble man, who was the God-man, who lived a perfect life, who did wonderful things for people, didn't write a book, didn't go on YouTube or Facebook or all the social media, didn't have any of that stuff. And yet people will give their lives for this child who became a savior, who lived humble, and he bids us to follow him in that humility. That's that's who I see in this child. That's why I see him becoming, and he's consistent in his life. The same way he comes in, he goes out. The same way he his, his birth is brought into being in humble ways is the way he lives his life. And the way he teaches and what he calls us to be as followers of Jesus is to be humble, to be dependent, to be reliant on the Lord and to not stake our claim, but to live seeking to fulfill God's purposes. Does that make sense? I'm sort of just... What you're saying, if I can summate it, sounds like he's rather wonderful. He's wonderful. Sounds like um, the kind of person who can be trusted as a counselor. Hmm. It's the uniqueness of what only the mighty God. Yes. Someone who's um, prince of peace in nature would be like. It's the kind of individual that um, if you were to hear such a, such a tale, which is so, so uh, contrary to the pomp and circumstances of Rome or or even of, uh, Individuals who are contenders to the Israeli throne, who thought themselves great. He's so lowly that it's high. Right. His lowliness is supreme so that one almost longs to say with the angelic messengers, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among men with whom he is pleased. Thank you again for listening to Living Truth with John Core and C.L. Mitchell. If you would like to hear this podcast again or previous episodes, you may do so at passionforhisword.com. That's passionforhisword.com. You may also like us on Facebook at Living Truth Radio Broadcast. That's Living Truth Radio Broadcast. Again, our prayer for you is that God would sanctify you in truth, for His Word is truth.